Hello and welcome to Watch It Baptist Church Online. My name's Mike uh, at WBC. I'm the pastor and you're joining us uh, in the latest of our sequence uh, entitled Being Church. It's a sequence that's now in its second phase. So we had part one earlier in the year. We're looking at part two now and having looked at reading the Bible last time, this time we're talking about growing and particularly about growing spiritually. We're going to be reading in a moment from Luke 8, but before we do that, let's pray. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit as a representative of Jesus' presence to be with us as we listen and think. We ask that you uh, provide in us something that, that makes our desire to grow um, effervescent again, that, that fizzes us up and and sparks in us a desire to grow spiritually, to become more of who you know that we can become. Amen. So I said we're going to be starting with uh, some verses from Luke 8. Let's just pause for a moment and hear them now. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. As parables go, that one is pretty familiar. And it's a brilliant way of looking at a whole bunch of things, including more recently an idea that's hit my radar that those uh, seeds sown among the thorns that get sort of choked by uh, the pressures and cares of the world. It's notable that, that there's no, nothing in that description from Jesus that says they die. And I think for many of us there's an encouragement in that, that those who have accepted the message of Jesus but are swamped by other things may yet grow again. Anyway, I particularly wanted to pick up on chapter, uh, chapter 8, verses 14 and 15, so I'm going to read those back through just now. They say this. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. It's an idea of persevering that really I want to bring a little bit of light to. There is something I think that, that many of us who've been in churches and following Jesus for a while, there's something that we know about perseverance and its role. 
it's it's the part it plays in how we go about being obedient as disciples. Having said that, I think it's also something that is, I say unfashionable, I'm not quite sure that totally encapsulates what I mean. There's something about perseverance which is less a regular part of our culture's way of doing things than perhaps it was a couple of generations ago. The idea that you persevere at and repeat and remain disciplined about something because it's worthwhile is perhaps less consistently expressed in our culture and as a result perhaps less expressed in our churches too. That is a broad generalisation and it may be that you feel it's not justified. But I hope you understand what I'm getting at. Perseverance seems to Jesus to be a key part of how this growth happens. Let's just read it again. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. There is something about persevering that makes that growth happen. Now I'm reminded of that section in Mark where Jesus says uh, that things grow and the farmer who sowed the seed has no idea how. Um, there's a certain amount of, of reading this verse, this chapter 8 verse 15 verse, that makes you go, yeah but how? How does perseverance become crop? And there's all kinds of ways of looking at that but I don't want us to get hung up on it. Neither do I want to get hung up on the contents of a book whose title I'm about to share with you. So I'm not so much interested in looking at the contents, but this, the title of this book is Keep Faith Growing. It's more important than church growing or than keeping church growing. For many of us, we link the idea of growth with numbers, something that's numerically countable. And there's a good reason for that. And I think if we're honest, all of us would say that we look forward to the idea that the church can grow numerically. Indeed, that's something that surely we would want to have happen. We would like more people to know and trust Jesus. But we can also be distracted by that, or at least get to a point where the only growth that we're interested in is that numerical counting growth. It brings us joy, doesn't it, when somebody new comes into faith or when someone new joins our community of faith. That's a good thing. I'm glad that we get excited about it. But I wonder whether we respond with the same kind of excitement when we know about each other's growth spiritually. And possibly, just possibly, we have fewer opportunities to do that because we don't tell each other about how we're growing spiritually. Just being very daring, is it possible that we don't share those stories because we don't have so many of them? There's something about growth that's tied in with perseverance, though. And I want to highlight... Um, a little illustration of this. Uh, I've spent some of my more recent days proofreading my daughter's dissertation. She's doing an English literature degree and she's comparing the endings of uh, The Hunger Games books uh, by Suzanne Collins with the ending of Brave New World by Aldous Huxley from the 30s. Now the reason why she's comparing them is to look at, at how dystopian literature has changed and that there's a bit more hope in it. But that's not the point I'm aiming for. The point I'm aiming for is that Katniss Everdeen, who's a protagonist in The Hunger Games, is recognised as growing as a person through her experience, through the three books of that series. She doesn't shirk the real life that's in front of her. She doesn't try to hide from it. Um, I know there are moments when it's overwhelming, but, but essentially 
she grows because of the circumstances that she continues to face. And we have some of that in our experience too. Our growth is going to be a response to the reality of circumstances that we face, particularly when we bring Jesus in to how we face those circumstances, particularly when we say to Jesus that we know we're facing those things and we want there to be something of growth that comes through that. My own experience uh, over the last couple of years is, is of quite a difficult road with depression. I think that the way I face the world, and particularly the way I do leadership, is different as a result of a much better understanding of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians when he talks about, um, you know, in my weakness, Jesus' strength is made perfect. I've had to adapt according to what I've faced. And growth, I think, happens when we do that, when we involve Jesus in how that happens. At this point, I'm going to flick across to Hebrews I'm reading from Hebrews 5, um, and I'm using the, the uh, New Living Translation, the NLT. So I'm starting at verse 11 and going to verse 14. There is much more we could say about this. Do take a look at the earlier bits of Hebrews 5 to figure what that is. But it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to, doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognise the difference between right and wrong. Now perhaps it's good for us that we don't know who the writer to the Hebrews is, I think I said before that there is a, a theory with um, some popularity at the moment that it may be Priscilla from the Acts of the Apostles. Um, and it might be the only Bible book written by a woman. But, speculation aside, the writer here, we probably are glad that we don't have the chance to have a go at. Because this is quite possibly patronising stuff. We'd like to say more about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. That's a bit of a condemnation isn't it it's a bit of a harsh reality check for those who are part of that church or those churches but there's an there's an experience from their leaders from their apostles who have um, planted and grown those churches uh, in the power of the spirit that the people in them are being a bit thick and aren't really interested in listening and this is tied directly to a sense of how mature those disciples are. There seems to be a clear implication that maturity is linked to a willingness to go forward, to step on, to do something new or something deliberate in Jesus' name for his glory and for our own development. I think it's worth noting that in Luke 17, Jesus' disciples request to him, in verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. It demonstrated a desire to go deeper and I think that's it's an important part of our obedience to Jesus that we say the same thing Lord help me go deeper help me increase my faith help me be closer to you help me develop as a person in a in a direction that takes me forward spiritually that I grow up to be everything I might be I think it's with that kind of thing in mind that Paul writes in Ephesians 3 
Um, he forced to his knees and prays to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his Holy Spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Paul sees an essential element in discipleship as putting down roots that keep us strong. Roots that are strong means that we grow well. Perseverance, Jesus says in Luke 8, is how that growth then happens. I'm going to um, just draw on a, a different uh, illustration at this point, and I'm going to borrow from Disney. Uh, so in Frozen 2, um, and I'm not going to put any spoilers in, but there is a there is a really tricky moment for one of the main characters, Anna. Uh, you'll hear me tell my children that I don't understand why they can't call her Anna, as that appears to be what her name is. Anyway, my prejudices aside, where Anna suffers a quite significant loss, and she feels totally broken and quite alone and in despair. And the, the key part of the song that she sings at this point is that however she's feeling, however hard it might be, she is determined that she will do the next right thing. That doing the next right thing will be a key element of who she is and how she goes about life. And I think Paul would say, and the writers of the Hebrews would say, and Jesus would say, that very often the next right thing is to turn to face Jesus and to choose to grow in him, to grow spiritually, to become more like him. Our discipleship of Jesus is, after all, as we've said before, a form of apprenticeship. And the idea with an apprentice is that they grow to do things like their master does them, so that they in time might take up that mantle and carry on as, as a kind of master themselves. That, I believe, is what Jesus was saying to the apostles as he sent them out, as he commissioned them at the end of Matthew. Go and do what I've done. And notice that with the power of the Holy Spirit with you, it'll be even better than it was when I was here physically. There's an opportunity for us to grow by doing the next right thing. And that next right thing is that perseverance, is that determination to fall back on the things that help us grow. Now, helpfully, Peter, uh, in the early part of 2 Peter, gives us some sense of what's involved in this growth. It is a bit of a list. I do want to just spend a moment on it. 2 Peter 1, verses 5 to 8. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone the more you grow like this the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ fascinating i think that peter recognizes at the end there that it's possible to have knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and not be productive or useful. And the way that he suggests that you become more productive and useful is all to do with the development of character. And I think spiritual growth goes hand in hand with that. We can't grow spiritually, we can't get closer to Jesus and become more like him without our character changing. 
And we can't change our character without Jesus being part of that. But we can choose that we want our character to grow. That we want our spiritual life to become more mature. But we have to do that. We have to choose it. Jesus says that perseverance is part of how that seed that falls on good soil grows and produces fruit. Lots of people have speculated about what's meant by that and, and one of those ways of understanding is that the producing of fruit is the sharing with other people about who Jesus is and as a result more people coming to know Jesus. Now if that is the right reading or even if it's just a, a good reading then our perseverance is key to other people coming to know Jesus. We've got um, some grass seed down in our garden at the moment in the corner. And we have prepared the ground for it. It took a while. Um, we've put down cardboard to stifle the weeds underneath. We've put down compost on top. Uh, and now we've added grass seed because we want it to grass over. Actually, we've added a tree in too. It's a cherry tree called Stella. Um, but what we've done is we've prepared the ground, sown the seed, and are now watering it regularly, particularly as the sun's out quite a bit. We want to be involved in persevering, in providing the right uh, environment and, and provision so that that seed might grow. Now, of course, in Mark, Jesus says that the, the farmer doesn't know how it grows, it just does. But I think we can be careful that we don't mix illustrations here. There is an opportunity for us to persevere in order that we would keep growing. One of the things that I do in my perseverance is repetition. Now, I, I pause for a moment there. It's because I think I've got to be careful that I don't pretend that I'm a brilliant example of how to persevere or how to remain disciplined um, in my spiritual growth. But I'm trying and I'm determined and I want you guys or anyone who's a disciple to be walking uh, with Jesus as best we can. So one of the things I use for that is uh, the Northumbria uh, morning prayer, Northumbria community morning prayer. I have a, a colleague, he's retired now, but a Baptist um, pastor colleague who said that when he had a particular struggle earlier in his life um, and his prayer life was really very difficult that it was the repetition of things like the Northumbria office the Northumbria community morning prayer that saved his faith because it gave him a connection point with Jesus every day more than once a day when he had nothing else to give now as a result of doing morning prayer my experience is that there's at least one prayer that, that belongs has been written for mornings which I now know I think by heart I'm going to try it now and we're going to find out whether I actually do or not it goes something like this. Christ as a light, illumine and guide me. Christ as a shield, overshadow me. Christ under me, Christ over me. Christ beside me on my left and my right. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Be in the heart of each to whom I speak, in the mouth of each who speaks unto me. This day be within and without me, lowly and meek, yet all-powerful. Christ as a light, Christ as a shield, Christ beside me on my left and my right. Amen. Now I value that prayer because it gives me the chance to pray for the people I would engage with, to pray that Christ would be close to me, to pray that I would 
echo his um, humility, but also recognise that his power is, is within me. It's a prayer that can set me out for the day. I don't pray it every day. I'd like to. I think it would be better if I did. Um, I don't want to pray simply out of a sense of um, mechanical rhythm. But I also recognise that if the only praying I'm doing is through mechanical rhythm, then that least is prayer, and some prayer that's mechanical is better than prayer, no prayer at all. We very often linger on that bit that says, um, be in the heart of each to whom I speak, be in the mouth of each who speaks unto me. I love the way that I, in that I pray for others in two different ways, and in one of those ways I'm asking Christ to look after me. Anyway. My perseverance is expressed through that sense of repetition. And just borrowing a little bit from last time when we talked about reading the Bible, it is not possible for us to continue to grow without that sense of rhythm and, and perseverance involving reading Scripture, returning to the Bible regularly, understanding it as best we can in its completest ways, asking for others to help us with that too. The same goes for prayer, which was part of our first phase of being church. Our perseverance is critical to our growth. I'm just going to read again uh, a bit more about maturity and how it's understood. So in, um, in Colossians 2. Paul says this, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. This is part of what maturity is like, living our lives in Christ, rooted and built up in him, built up because of those strong roots. Now a couple of times now I've alluded to the idea that we can't do this by ourselves. We need others around us who are also looking to follow Jesus. People will say, so how's that perseverance going? How are you growing? What are you aiming for? In what ways do you recognise that you need to grow? And how are you building that into your life? Who is supporting and encouraging you? Who is challenging you? How are you making space for the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Stacks of questions. You could end up feeling that I'm bombarding you. That's not the aim. The aim is to, is to make clear that we own our own growth. We can't make it happen by ourselves. We need Christ in us to do that. We do own it. And it is down to us to get people around us who will help us persevere so that we might be all that Christ knows we can be. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would make us good ground and that you provide us with sunshine and with water and that you would help us to grow. Lord would you make us never satisfied with where we've got to and always wanting to go closer to you, always wanting to put roots down even deeper and stretch even higher that we might become more like you. Amen. Okay, as ever, we're asking three questions uh, in response to um, that teaching. And the first question is this, how do you want to grow spiritually?
let's get straight to the heart of it. What is there in your life? What parts of who you are? What of your relationship with Jesus do you go, I, I want more of that, or I want, I want to develop in that, or I, I want to be fed more about that? What's the thing? Maybe there's more than one, but if it's just one, there's just one, then that's okay. How do you want to grow spiritually? And rather than just thinking it, write it down. If you haven't got pen and paper nearby, go and grab it. Pause, pause the thingy if you need to, uh, and go and grab it so that you can make a note of where you want to grow, and then you don't forget. Question two. What do you need? If you're wanting to grow spiritually, there's a very strong chance that you're going to need some support. So, do you want some training? Do you want to do some training that helps you get to grips with the Bible better? Do you want some training in how to approach people uh, so, and ask if you can pray for them to, to sort of support your witness about God's love to the wider world? Maybe there's something else. Maybe, maybe there's a particular area to do with Christian ethics that you want to understand better. Maybe there's something in your personality. Uh, you know, maybe you're quick-tempered, or, um, or you have difficulties with um, self-discipline or with joy. And and those are areas where you can see that the spirit has something to offer, and you've not engaged with it before. You have, but you want more of it. You know, and, and you want someone to say here's a good course to engage with or here's a, here's a good tool to to use uh, as you seek to grow in that way so so the first question is um what you know, how do you want to grow the second question is what do you need in order to grow spiritually and question three is who are you going to ask because there's an important reality here isn't there we know that we are not called to be disciples on a solo basis. Jesus makes this abundantly clear in a number of ways, not least by calling a whole bunch of disciples, not just one, and they support each other, but also by uh, establishing the church and through the Spirit's um, inspiration of the New Testament letters, all the ways in which those writers talk about churches supporting one another. So who are you going to ask? Don't for a second assume that you don't need to ask anybody. I'm going to close off that as an option. Who are you going to ask to help you grow spiritually? And that, that help could come in lots of ways. It could just be accountability. It could be about saying, look, I'm going to, uh, there's this area where I want to grow. I'm going to do this thing about it, but I just want you to check in with me once a week or every couple of days or even every half day and say, how are you getting on with that thing? You know, how, are you, how are you getting on with your, um, your patience there or your perseverance? Or, or how are you getting on with that course that you, that you said you were going to sign up to do? It might even be that you want to do something like Swibber's... Um, PFS modules, prepare, prepare feed sustain modules that have come in three or four different categories and you'd like someone to go with you and, and actually inviting them along to be part of that would be helpful for you. You, you can do that. I think you've got to be okay with the idea the person you invite might say no, but the chances are that if you're saying I, I need support for my spiritual growth and this will be helpful, they, they, even if they can't help they might want to and they might look for other ways that they can do that. So three questions are how do you want to grow? What are you going to do about it? And that third one, who are you going to ask to help you? Well, that's the end of our session today. I'm going to pray 
and then we'll um, say goodbye to one another and see each other soon. Let's pray. Lord, give us courage to seek out chances to grow. Give us perseverance that we stick with it. And give us all that we need in people and resources so that we might be more and more like you. Amen. God bless. Thank you for being with us. Take care.